Anyway, I love the Lord. Every now and then, you have to break out in the Lord's sound, sound. To glorify the King, because he's worthy of our praise. And, um, and it's fun to bless his name. Why don't you stand to your feet? Um, I want to address something real quick. I got some life group postings uh, from some people, uh, from through, just through life group leaders and some of the elders, and people just kind of wrestling, if you will, through some of our last two messages and you know, some people's response to that was they felt, they, they, they felt I guess, forced to worship. And, um, and, um, and then others were saying, can I worship God in a quiet way? And, and I just want to kind of address that just a little bit before, because I don't want it to be a distraction in this message. You know, I was, I, you know usually I'm, my, the elders know my normal bent is to say, is there something that I did? Do I need to own that? Pastor Nyron said, nah, you don't need to own that. But you, we do need to be just sensitive to people. But but it was clear that, you know, one of the things that, that I'm clear on is, is that we're, we're in process. Amen. Um, but but I, I want us to be very, very careful um, of, of, um, of something in particular. And, 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 I, and, I think it, and I think it's something important. Someone, someone asked, is, do, do I have to make noise when I worship? And, and I always say, man, let, let's, let's not, don't ask, don't ask the general question. Go to the scriptures. Just go, just go to the Bible. Just, uh, again, let's, let's just go to the scriptures. And so um, um, that doesn't mean every Sunday you have to shout. But if you're always asking, do I have to? That, that to and the Bible says, shout to the Lord imperatively. And then you say, do I have to? It's, 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 it's something, it's, it's not a, really you're asking an external question that you need to ask your heart. Um, when I got down on my knees this morning, I sensed the spirit pushing me to my knees. Now, y'all got to understand, I'm introverted. Uh, I, be, I don't know what happened to me. Some years ago, I became introverted, and I'm a cerebral theological thinker. And so for me, I don't, it's certain things I don't like to do. But every time you see me lift my hands, I don't want to. Every time you see me shout hallelujah, I don't want to. Every time you see me get on my knees, I don't want to. Um, I ain't ran, yeah, I did run one Sunday, but I don't want to. But the reason why I do it is because I'm, I, I, I've decided that I'm going to tell my flesh that God is better than my wiring. And, 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 and I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you. I can't preach on every passage in the Bible on postures. and There's times when you can just be quiet. But most, 99.99% of the time in expressive worship, it is never just you like this. Now, some of y'all, your first step is just going to be singing. Because some of y'all don't ever see. Y'all just look and look around. Then when somebody, ah, then you're looking back at them. Um, um, and then some people think that loud worship is a distraction to them. And I'm like, wow. And other, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, it's distracting when people shout. I said, yeah. Now, when people shouted in the Bible, I'm just asking, when people shouted in the Bible, was it distracting to the congregation? Why? Because they were, they were worshiping themselves. And, and, and so what I want us to do as we grow, because we're not forcing you. If, we, if you feel that way, that's that, because um, I was coming here ready to repent and all of that, and I was like, nah, you don't need to repent. But I think that we need to give each other room to grow. But, but being challenged will feel forced every time you don't want to do what God wants you to do. And so I want to ch I'm challenge, you're gonna, it's a lot of things you're going to be challenged to do that you don't want to do in the faith. 
That's why Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice. That's the key word. Sacrifice. Now, somebody said, well, pastor, in the context of that passage, that's actually talking about giving your life in the... It's talking about every aspect of life that can be applied into every tunnel and river of your life. And so I, I challenge us as a congregation, we're not trying to make everybody into runners. Running is, is, it can be an expression, but it's not necessarily in the Bible. But if people do it, they can do it. Um, um, but I'm just saying, let, let's, let's, by God's grace, grow with each other. But don't look judgmentally at others when they worship. And that's not what you want to do at that per- personal moment. And, and, and zoom in in worship. Again, I'm going to challenge us. Try, try him. Just, just start opening your mouth. You ain't got to yell. Just give, a, give God the fruit of your lips and start zoning out on him. And when you begin zoning out on him, something will happen on the inside of you, if you're his, that will, that will quiet everything else down, and it'll just be you and him. And, and then all of a sudden, that you alone are God will become a reality in you. And then all of a sudden, you don't, somebody starts shouting, you don't hear it anymore because you and God are zoned out together and you and God got your own thing you on your knee whatever it is but I'm just letting you know you need to begin to stop allowing how you don't want to worship and why by your sense of wiring by God to just just begin in little steps I'm a, I'm a, a and, and we're going to keep talking about this because I, w- I want these things to be helpful to us to us to grow and for it to be a powerful experience for us in Jesus Christ amen amen, amen. Uh, uh Proverbs 3 5 through 9 Proverbs 3, 5 through 9. We'll only get through two verses of this today. We'll finish up next week. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Here we go. Verse 5. I'll begin. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Keep going. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 Today, uh, in the last few weeks of our worship season, I'll be going on vacation for a little while, but I'll come back and we'll talk about No Limit. That'll be our closing message. I didn't want this one to be. We're going to talk about today faith, uh, generosity, and gratitude as worship. Faith, generosity, and gratitude as worship. Father, we thank you, honor you, and bless you, Lord God, that... um, you, uh, it's interesting, Lord, that in, in the scriptures, in, in Hebrews in particular, you were a shouter, the Bible says. It says as you began to pray and, and dealing with things, with going to the cross, you went before God with shouts and cries. It's interesting that the, that the incarnate Christ was a worshiper. And, um, and, and God, I just pray that, it, it, it's interesting that it flowed from trust in you. And so, God, I just pray that we would today zoom in on things that we've abandoned as parts of being sound in you so that we can grow and develop and be more effective for you to honor you and glorify you. Lord, I can't do this on my own, so I need power. Send that old power that makes preaching easy. Send that power that decreases the preacher and increases the filling and power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, get me out of the way, and you get all in the way. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' name, everybody agree with that? Say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. 
going to teach a little bit today. I may get preachy at moments. It won't be as preachy as last week was. Y'all didn't even let me finish the sermon last week. Um, but, uh, but, but, but I want to make sure it's going to be teachy-preachy today. Um, you, you know, as, as we dive into uh, these subjects, it, the, the, you know, it, when I was in grad school, when I was in seminary, I did a, uh, a paper. It, it, there are two papers that I love that I did. It was a sanctification paper. And, and, and the second paper, one of my be- best things that I enjoyed doing in seminary was writing a paper on false teachers. And I, and I isolated all the verses in the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation on false teachers. And what I began to do was I began to study sort of the, the, all of the ins and outs of false teachers and what they were like, what were their characteristics, but then some of the things that they held in common. And, 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 and every time I looked at every passage on false teachers and compared those passages as a synchronic topical study, what, what I began to find out is that three issues kept coming out. Uh, the first thing that kept coming out was legalism. Legalism is the attempt of someone to, to, to base their value, and their righteousness on anything but Jesus Christ. Let, let me say that again. Legalism is someone basing, basing their righteousness and standing, good standing that is, before God off of anything, any place, or anyone except for uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so legalism was always in there. N- n- number, number two, uh, uh, also, also uh, sex was a lot of the part of it. Immorality, sexual immorality was a part of their manipulative tactics. Uh, but not only that, money was also a big issue in, 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 in relation to it contextually. And, and then as I began to apply the paper, because you had to apply it to the American church, one of the things that I began seeing is, I, I, is that what, what happened was, is I saw that false teachers didn't merely have an effect on the churches that they were preaching in. They didn't, have a, they didn't merely have an effect on the churches that they were teaching in. And they didn't, not only that, they didn't just have an effect on the churches that believed or received their theological rubric. What I began to see was that solid Christians were being affected by what we call solid Christianity. Now, not in the sense of influencing them to join them in their doctrinal sloppiness. But but, but what I began to see was, is that key and central tenets of the faith began getting ignored because of people's disposition towards it. Because of their view of this being a false teaching, whether it was money, whether it was sex, whether uh, it is worship, uh, or shouting, or communicating, or, or, or whether what we're about to talk about today, faith, there has been a hijacking of these things in a way that, that, that those who call themselves conservative Christians, when I say conservative, I'm not talking about politically conservative. Who cares about that? I'm talking about biblically conservative in their theological construct. Are you trekking with me? And so, and so, and so what, I, what, what I'm on a mission to do is, to, is, 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 is I'm, I'm going to the false teacher's camp, and I'm taking back what God has for his people. Well, what I want to do is I, wanna, I, want to, I want to get into the scriptures and begin to help reshape our proper connectivity to, to, to truths of scripture that we have let go. In, in other words, when somebody begins acting like they believe God, like some of y'all had one eye open while I was praying for her healing. 
Because you were thinking, well, maybe not. Well, she, you know, and then you began thinking about what God can't do in relation to praying for healing instead of just joining us in faith and believing God for healing. In other words, what happened is, is because people believe in those circles that God heals everything to the point where you don't have to die until Jesus comes back, then what we believe is when we hear somebody pray in faith for somebody to be healed, we equate it with false teaching versus a biblical disposition of faith. Are you checking with me? Uh, uh, when we was raising money for Malawi, people, and we were doing another offering, and, and it was an extra offering, not for a preacher, not for a Benz, not for a Bentley, not for a suit, not for some gators or some Crocs, but it was for kingdom mission. Some of y'all got scared because you said, this looks too much like that. But the question is, is it biblical? Don't let the devil hijack what God has for you. So we come to this passage, and in Proverbs, Proverbs is one of the, those practical books that, that, that's written in figurative language that's rich with nutrients. It, it, it was mostly written by Solomon, who comprised a bunch of phenomenal sayings under the uh, inspiration and power of the Holy Ghost and organized them into this particular book. Um, in this section, he's talking to his sons, and he's giving them core realities. In the book of Proverbs, if, if chapter 1 has a statement that points us down and roots us down in its being the foundation of the book, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom, that that's the foundation of the book. Proverbs 31, when it personifies wisdom as a woman killing it in the crib and outside of the crib, it personifies her as wisdom at its best. So in other words, if chapter 1 is the foundation and chapter 31 is the climax, then chapter 3, I believe, is the subject purpose statement of the book. And this being the subject purpose statement of the book, it's rooted and bored down in the reality of what it means to connect you through the, to the foundation and to the climax by saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will unbend or straighten out your paths. Which brings me to my first point. Number one, number one if we're going to walk in this thing, faith, we got to recognize faith is at the core of our covenant with God as worshipers. Faith is at the core of our covenant with God as worshipers. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It's interesting that the word trust for here means to have reliance on someone, something, or some place outside of yourself to put confidence in this particular thing. It's interesting that what I want to make, make a difference is, is it says trust in the Lord. Now let me come back to that in a second, uh, 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 because we're going to talk about where we put our faith. But I want to look at this word trust to kind of make it plain to you sometime. Trust is a phenomenal term of dependence, that God's people have full and unhindered dependence on the God of heaven. Now, 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 to make it plain, my son, my, my, my youngest son, my, my four-year-old, he's a funny little dude. Um, when, we, when we go to the mall or when we go to a park or something, he gets to a point where his little legs get tired. And when his legs get tired, he said, Daddy, I need a piggyback ride. And so what he wants me to do is he wants me to put him on my shoulders, and he knows that I'm going to hold his legs in place while he's up there. 
Now, now what's interesting is while he's up there, he's having fun. He's laughing. He's slapping his brother in the mohawk. He's going this way. He's going that way. And, 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 and what's interesting is if I let go of his legs, he's, he, 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 feels, he, he feels unconfident that, that he can hold himself in place. But when I'm holding him in place, he's full of confidence because he knows he can wiggle whichever direction he wants that his daddy is going to hold on to him. He, he, he knows that if he rears backwards real, real far and uses abs to bring himself back up, he, he's confident to move around and have fun and enjoy himself because his daddy won't drop him. He knows his daddy loves him so much that he puts his confidence in the fact that his daddy's going to hold on to him. He puts his confidence in the fact that the daddy has his clinch on him and he sits on my shoulders and rests and enjoy himself because I have a track record of not letting him fall. Wish I had some help right there. Listen, I'm trying to let you know it's trusting in the Lord is you moving around and enjoying yourself, recognizing that daddy's got you. Daddy has you. Daddy gives you the ability. Listen, don't don't allow your relationship with God through Christ to be a stoic, stone, unfun relationship. He gives you mobility to move around, but you got to trust him. It says trust in the Lord. That's good. It, it, It doesn't say trust in your faith. Let me say that one more time. You're going to get that on the way home. Um, It doesn't say uh, step out on faith. That's nowhere in the Bible. There's so many things we believe in the church that ain't in the Bible. The Bible says you just need to step out on faith. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's not in the Bible. If you step out on your faith, you're stepping out on what you believe can happen. But... But in order for, if you're trusting your faith to make something happen, that's the problem with the Word of Faith movement, is it believes that God has empowered faith with a mini-deity philosophy that says that whatever you believe, it will happen. But the Bible doesn't say trust in your faith. It doesn't say step out on your faith. It says trust in the Lord. Now the question is, who's the Lord? I'm glad you asked. Wish I had time to just talk about who the Lord is, but, but because, because in order for you to trust in him, you got to know who him is. Now, 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 him is a pretty complex term in relation to Lord. The Lord mean, is in all caps in this text, which means it's the word Yahweh or I am who I am. It, 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 uh, uh, the, the Lord here is the covenant or sovereign one. That means he controls and sees and is powerful over everything. Uh, the, the, the Lord here is the one that stepped out on nothing, spoke into nothing, and something had to obey. Yeah. Oh, that didn't get you right there. Well, uh, 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 the, the, the Lord here is the one that called Moses up on the mountaintop through his Shekinah glory, and he stood there and talked to him face to face and told him, take off your sandals because you're on holy ground. You don't believe, you don't believe, or you, you still don't know who the Lord is. The Lord is the one who parted the Red Sea. And cause God's people to go through and wash away their enemies, pointing to the baptism of deliverance that will come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the Lord? Now, now, now see, if that don't get you away, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Sikhanu. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's all in all. He's a provider. He's a way maker. He'll, he, he, he's your way out of no way. He's the one that will never leave you nor forsake you. Trust in the Lord. That's, that's, that's the one we're trusting in. So we're not trusting in some empty-minded deity. But we're, 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 we're trusting in the creator God, if you will. So, 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 he says, so he says, trust in the Lord. Now, now, this is interesting because it says, do not lean to your own understanding. I like this. Now, this, now this word lean is interesting because it means uh, just something simple. simple. Uh, to, this idea of lean 
means to support yourself with something else. Here in this context, to support yourself with something. Now, it's saying don't lean to your own understanding. Now, let's back up. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Now, let's go to what heart means here. Heart means inner being. Heart is made up of, your, uh, before and after Christ, is made up of your value system. It's made up of your affections. And number three, it's made up of your will. Now, let's look at value system. It means, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And all your heart means that you must trust the Lord with your value system. Now, many of you don't recognize that all of us have a jacked up value system. Every last one of us has a toe up from the flow up value system. So that's why one of the first things that God does when he saves you is give you a new heart so you can get a new value system. Now, the first thing that he does when you get the new heart or the new mind or the mind of Christ is you have to have the information that informs it. So that's why one of the things that Romans 12 1 says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why James in James 1.21 says, receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. In other words, you have to implant the new value system into the new heart so that your values are changed. In other words, you, you, everybody has a ghost belief system. That's the antithesis to what God wants us to believe. But not only did God give us a value system, a new value system, and the ability to grab a hold of that value system, which is the word of God, he also gives us new affections. That, that means it's not enough, just enough to think right. You got you to actually like what God is giving you to think about. The fight of the Christian life is to like the word of God. Okay, that, that's the fight. Let me see if I can make it plain. Because, because, but, 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 but you have to have your values changed before your affections can get attached to it. Yes. Now, let me see if I can make it plain. Now, y'all got to understand, I, I, I love to eat cheesesteaks. I love to eat cheese fries. I love uh, strawberry lemonade from Cheesecake Factory. There's nothing but a cup of sugar. Um, I, I, I like the tropical smoothie, just a cup of sugar. You know, I, I, if, if it was up to me, I'd eat, I'd eat T-bone steaks and uh, 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 all kinds of steaks every day. I'd eat garlic mashed potatoes, and I, I, you know, I would eat all that type of stuff. I feel, Pastor Larry, fill the Holy Ghost right there. You know, <laughs> in other words, I, I would eat, I would eat chips all day. I would eat barbecue and sour cream and onion chips all day long. I, I see you worshiping, sister. Um, I see that hand. I see that hand. But I, I, I you know, I, I, I would do that. But, 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 but I started. I went to Houston. When I went to Houston, I gained like 50 pounds. The, the mother, the mothers in the church. We're blessing a brother with homemade biscuits, bread pudding, fried wings, gumbo. I'm talking about gumbo. You can't see nothing in it. If the gumbo's watery and ain't got the good root, I mean, they, they, they hooked a brother up. I looked around, and all of a sudden, I was looking like a puffer fish walking around, all right? And, 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 and so my wife, my wife said, now my wife's good. And I said, Hi, baby, do you still love me even though I got... You know, and, and you know my wife's a good woman. She said, she said, I just want you healthy. <laughs> That's dope, though. In other words, baby, I want to see that six-pack one of these days. But she said, I'm going to do it so I won't kill your ego. That's a good wife. But what she began doing is she began, she said, baby, there are a lot of good things that you can eat. But I just need to prepare them in a way where I want you to enjoy eating, but I also want you to live. And so what she began doing, she had this philosophy that she was trying to put into me. But every time I taste the stuff, I would bear through the food because I was so used to a lot of high salt and a high, you know, I like grease and salt. Grease, salt, sugar. Those are the three food groups for me. <laughs> grease, salt, sugar, right? 
know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. And so, and so I was so used, I was so used to it. I was so used to it. And then all of a sudden she starved me of that. And so she'd be like, no, baby. I, like she said, do you want me to get anything from upstairs? We got fruit. We have yogurt. And, like fruit. We're about to watch a movie and eat fruit. Like I want, I want some, some like ice cream, some, you know, some hot fudge on it, like whipped cream. But, but, but then as she began to starve me from those things. I, 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 I began to begin to enjoy the new flavors that I was being introduced to. To the point to where one time we finally said, we, she said, baby, today you can splurge. I was like, ah, yes. So we got something and I ate salt in it. And the salt content, because I've been away from it for so long, when I tasted the salt and the sugar in it, I was like, good God almighty. I couldn't believe it because now my taste buds had gotten used to the information that she was trying to teach me. And because I trusted her and the information that she gave me and starved myself of the stuff that was destroying me, now I began to like what she was saying to me because I was obedient to what she said to me. Wish I had some help right there. See, 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 when you trust in the Lord with all your heart, what you begin to do is you begin to have your taste buds functioning based on the new way that he's redeemed you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then not only that, our wills had to be taken out of bondage. The Bible, the gospel teaches that you weren't looking for God. That our will, based on Ephesians chapter 2, was to do nothing but the will of the devil. That we were, that our, we, our minds were blinded from the, from, from, from the gospel of peace and we were, we were sons and daughters of the devil. That's what the Bible teaches. And so in order for us to be changed, God has to take our will out of bondage. And he has to give you a measure of faith. I wish I had help right there. He, like my mama, when she cooks something, she said, baby, go down the corner store. Y'all don't know nothing about your mama not telling you get the pack of butter. She, you go in the thing and you get a stick of butter. You don't know nothing about that. But then she measured that thing off and go, yeah, cow. And then it melt down into it and it just be cowish, right? Love, right? And, and it was saturated. See, when your will got, when, you, when Christ saved you, he took your will out of bondage so that you would be freed up in him to do what he said. See, when you trust in the Lord with all your heart, then your value system is changed. Your affections are changed. That means what you like and dislike have to change. It has to, listen, never the same. When you got saved, you gave up being the same. That's the, that's the heart of worship, never the same. Then your will is taken out of bondage, therefore you're empowered to follow God because before Christ died and you accepted his death and resurrection, you couldn't follow him. So therefore, trusting in the Lord with all your heart and not leaning on your own understanding is interesting. Because what happens is, it's just because you're saved doesn't mean that you don't lean to your own understanding. See, see leaning to your own understanding, if, if, now, now notice the antithesis, antithesis to this. Trusting in the Lord is having trust in him and your confidence in him as the object of your faith. When you don't walk in that, you don't lose your salvation, but you do place something in the place that God is supposed to be in. When you lean to your own understanding, the word lean is a synonym of the word trust here, 
which means to trust in something, someone, or someone else, right? And so now you're leaning to your own understanding. And that usually happens when, when, when uh, 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 it's interesting. That usually happens when we stop holding up God effectually in our lives. And, 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 and so leading to your own understanding leads to a turning point in your walk with him. Because when you lead to your own understanding, you begin to allow other people, other things, and other places to be a support to you. And and, and what begins to happen is you set up strongholds in your life in the place of where God is supposed to be. In in, in other words, what you begin to do is as you set up idols, I I, I like the way um, Tim Keller talks about it in Counterfeit Gods. He says, the Bible uses three basic metaphors to describe how people relate to their idols, the idols of their hearts. They love idols, they trust idols, and they obey idols. Did you hear that? Love, affection, trust, obey, will. Do you see that? So, so when you, whatever you place in your life as the centerpiece of your life, your values, your affections, and your will gets locked into it. The Bible sometimes speaks of idols using a marital metaphor. God should be our true spouse, but when we desire and delight in other things more than God, we commit spiritual idolatry, adultery. Romance or success can become false gods or lovers that promise to make us feel valued. See, most of us, when we replace God with something, replace something else in the place of God, what begins to happen is we utilize that as a functional savior. Uh, um, I, I, I am going through right now, I, I am getting pastored by someone right now to deal with my functional saviors. Now y'all looking at me funny. I told y'all I had issues. So I'm going to counseling and get my stuff worked on. Now some of y'all can look at me funny, but you need to join me in counseling. A- amen, because I need some help. I, I need, I, see, I, I can admit it. See, I, I, cause see, I'm free in Christ. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. So I can admit when I'm a mess and when I need help. You're a problem when you don't admit it and you don't go seek help. Because, because I got all kinds of functional saviors that I utilize. When, when, whenever, whenever I, these are my, one of my functional saviors is food. I'll tell you that right now. That, that, I hate that booger there. Functional say Because when I have a hard day, I want to sit downstairs with some Popeye's chicken and some red beans and rice and some Bixits with jelly in it and a sweet tea and Netflix. Somebody ought to hear me. Oh, y'all, I'm alone. It's just me and you, God. We talking. I'm confessing my sin. Now, those things aren't in themselves wrong on occasions, the food. On occasions. You can't live by those. But when you look for food to comfort you, Some of, the, some, some, some of us leisure drinkers in here need to be careful, too. When you had a hard day, you want a little sippy sip. And a sippy sip turns into a dippy dip, which turns into a messy mess. Somebody ought to hear me today. Because we, we want things in our life that takes the edge off of our hurts. We want things in our life that takes the edge. I'm, I'm by myself. I'm going to just confess all my stuff. Uh, you want things in your life that's going to take the edge off of, you know, you know God is okay, but, you know, you're like, God, you take a little long. I got to wait on you. 
And because, and I got some stuff in my life, God, that, that's a little bit more immediate than you are. Some stuff in my life. Listen, listen, God, I can get a hold of this and, you know, because there can be, there are things that are clear. See, this is the hard part. There are, there are functional saviors that are clearly sinful, but then the ones that get you are the ones that are within the realm of liberty, but you abuse them and call it enjoyment when really it's bondage. And see you, see, you and I have to be careful because the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Listen, when you say, I need a drink, I need some sex, I need to go out somewhere, I need a vacation. Listen, listen, th- th- those are, all of those things are good things in the right context. But when you begin to need them and never say, I need the Lord, I need... I need the peace that you can give. I need the comfort that you can give. I need, I, I need to be in your presence. See, many times in our life, but, but see, we're, but see you, we're theological musicians. Because, see, many of us know just enough Bible to be dangerous. And what we do is we philosophically construct in our mind ways to desensitize ourselves from the submission and conviction and grief of the Holy Ghost. And then we build people around us that nurture our strongholds with us. All of y'all get together. Ain't this good that we get to enjoy ourselves when all of us are just a brood of vipers that need deliverance. Functional saviors. Every one of us in here got a functional savior that we're functioning in. And some of us have hidden ourselves in them and nobody even knows it. Every, listen, every one of us, don't you, if you come in here, if you tell me you're a liar, if you tell me, ain't, listen, you, you, listen, you, let, Lord help me, you, you need the Lord. You, I, I, don't, I don't care how rich you are, listen, because your job can be a functional savior. I should pause there. Your family can be a functional savior. Organization can be your functional savior. Perfection can be your functional savior. Wish I had help. Being in control of everything in your life, which is an illusion. Let me just tell you that right now. That's a freaking illusion. You know, you are, I mean, I'm orderly. I'm, yeah, okay. But if it's out of order and it's out of your control, you can't do anything about it. So you need to go before God and let him fill the space until things get to where they should be. But the problem is, is we try to be many gods to our souls. And I'm just letting you know, you're not supposed to lean to your own understanding. And so, that, and so, and so the writer helps us in this. And how, how do we deal with some of these? This is how you know. And some of y'all looking at me funny still. So these are some, these are some more. They're relational idols. They're religious idols. <laughs> relational idols can even be your ethnicity and your culture. And you side on issues because of ethnicity, not because of the justice of God. I'll talk about that in a few months. I heard some folk right there. Um, sexual idols. Political idols. I'm a Republican. Because I'm a Republican, we're on God's side. Boo-hoo. Boo, 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 we boo you. Throw popcorn and tomatoes, boo. 
Republican doesn't mean Jesus, and nor does Democrat. Boo. Bipartisan doesn't mean it either. Boo. Boo. Tomato at you. Cucumber. Everything. Right? Because we have political. Y'all don't know in the South, man, that's a big issue. I live in the South, man. If you say you won't vote, Lord, let me not even start anything. I already said comfort idols, pleasures, if I can just get to the movies. Ah. Approval idol. Some of us, our idol is pleasing people. If everybody's okay with us, then we're okay with ourselves. Instead of trusting in Christ's death as making everything okay between us and God, and if everything's not okay with people, we try to be at peace as long as it depends on us. But if they still don't like you, you're okay because God is making everything all right. I wish I could stay there, but I got to move. These are some ways you can kind of do this and look through this. Number one, you know, you're, you, 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 uh, you, I am preoccupied with blank. You're preoccupied with blank. That means it's a functional savior. If you say, if only blank, then I would be happy. Um, functional saviors always come up when God doesn't provide what we want when we want it? I don't know why I'm saying this. And instead of waiting on God, we say, God, while I wait on you, I'm going to couple up, I'm going to boo up with some stuff in my life until you function as my boo again. And until you do it, which is not resting in him, because they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, not those who trust in their own understanding, get their strength renewed. I got to move. Told you I'm just going to teach today. He said, he said, he said I, I, I get my sense of significance from blank, if you say that. Because I'm part of this organization or that. Look, I, I, will, I would protect and preserve blank at any cost. I fear losing blank. You put it in there. I fear lo- if I lose this, my life will fall apart and I'll become even suicidal. Help us, God. When I lose blank, I get angry, resentful, frustrated, anxious, and depressed. For me, life depends on blank. I'm just giving you some practical stuff. The thing I value more than anything in the world is blank. The next one is, when I daydream, my mind goes to blank. All right. The best thing I can think of is blank. The thing that makes me want to get out of bed in the morning is blank. We, we, we have to begin dealing with these things, and I'm just letting you know we need to deal with the honesty of this because this can have you in a broken place for an extremely long time. And all of us have to deal with these issues. I'm, I'm out of here. Um, he says, in, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path or straighten out your path. Here the word acknowledge as a close is interesting. It means to know him. Now, I used to think that this idea meant just proclaim him somewhere. And if I just make him known to others, then he'll unbend my path. But it's not making him known to others here. It's acknowledging him to yourself. In, in, in other words, knowing him. I mean, let me just tell you, let me just give you something for free. You didn't get saved 
so that you wouldn't go to hell. It's not why you got saved, even though that's an application of it. You didn't get saved so there could be no more dying, no more crying, no more tears, no more sickness. You didn't get saved so that you can no longer, so you, uh, you, 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 you got saved for one main reason and one main reason only, to be in a relationship with him and to know him. When you, get, when you think of salvation in terms of the spoils of salvation versus the splendor of the God of salvation, you get in trouble. That's why it says, in all your ways, know him. It indicates mental awareness of who God is and consequential submission to his lordship. To know him, to obey him. To indicate that one knows an object. In other words, in all your ways, I like this, I like what this lexicon says. It says, act like you know him. It don't get no plainer than that. In every area of your life, act like you know God. But then it says, and he will make your path straight. Now, <clears throat> when I've thought about this, I've always thought about road itself. But in Proverbs, way in road is a euphemism for behavior. What he's unbending is not where you're going. That's already straightened out. Okay, I got a verse for it. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works in order that we may walk in them. It actually says created, good works created beforehand. So that means the road already exists. So God doesn't unbend a road. Did you get that? In the text, paths and ways means you and me. In other words, the way is clear because there are only two roads. One leads to destruction, one leads to life. God isn't unbending the way to destruction. He wants you to abandon the way. He don't unbend that. He don't even deal with it. He wants to put you on the way to life. Now, on the way to life, the way to keep us off the way to destruction is to deal with us, not the road. See, some of y'all gonna get that. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. Let me, let me see. If I, one, 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 one time, my car, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I remember I, first, I got my V6 and I was excited about my Honda. You know, I ain't got nothing huge. You know, my Honda V6, you know, my joint, but well, you know, that joint gonna go. You know, I wanna open it up on the road, but my soul won't let me. But I wanna go 160 down, 95, no cars out. Um, the Lord won't let me. But I did speed up a little bit one day. And I, I began noticing the front of my car was shaking and the steering wheel was shaking. Somebody know where I'm going. And, and, I, and, I, and I, went, I, went, I went to uh, uh, ETB or whatever, NTB. Went to NTB. And I took it to them and I, and I said, something's wrong with, with, with my car uh, 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 or, 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 or something's wrong with the road that I'm on. And they said, well, he looked up in there and he said, nah, there's nothing wrong with the roads you're on. It's something wrong with your car. So he said, it needs a front end and an alignment and your tires need balancing. So he front end aligned my car. He took my tires off, put it on some type of thing and clink clinked it into place and spent something off and boom, boom. But then the last thing after he filled it up with air is he began bouncing it up and down. Boom, boom, boom. And I said, what you doing? He said, oh, I'm balancing your tires. I said, well, why are you using such force to do it? He says, because it's not enough for me to just work on it. I gotta put it in a situation where it experiences some friction 
So everything, oh, help me God. Everything can get back into balance. And so he's bouncing it up and down. But I was like, Dad, what are you doing with my tires? But really, he's helping the tire to fold over the rim right so that when it gets reattached to get on the road, it helps the car to go straight and on the path instead of going off the path. I'm just trying to let you know sometimes, if some of y'all, God is doing you like this. He's bouncing you upside and down. He's letting you be hurt. He's letting you be challenged. But the thing that's happening in your life is it's out of balance. And all God is doing is he's not unbending your road. He's unbending you. And he's putting you back in balance for his glory. I know it hurts. I know it's difficult. I know it's frustrating. But he's just putting you back in balance. And he's putting you back in place. If you would just get out of the way and let him get back in the way, and you would just submit to his process. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will unbend you. Wish I had some help. God, God is seeking to straighten your behind out. Listen, I'm just telling you right now, I use the word behind, don't get mad at me, don't tweet me about it, whatever. I use the word behind. We need to hear that sometimes. Some of us need some crazy talk every now and then. But God, but, but, but God is bouncing your life up and down not to hurt your life, but to realign it with his will. Listen, some of y'all are praying, God ain't answering my prayers. I'm, I'm closing. Prayer isn't the dictation of our will to God. It's not. Prayer is our alignment with his will. And so I'm just praying today. <laughs> I'm going to just pull Paul. Come here, Paul. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. And he healed a bunch of people before. Because he healed a bunch of people before, he figured, if I could heal other people, shoot. God should heal me. I mean, I'll be healing all the time. The Bible says he prayed that God would remove the thorn from his flesh. We don't know what it was. And he prayed, now, now the dude just, lay, I'm talking about, he walked past people that healed, you know what I'm saying? But he had to pray three times, and God answered him in a way he didn't want to be, wanted to answer. And, and God, said, God, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes, when God doesn't do what you want him to do, he's doing to you what you need him to do. His grace is sufficient. And, and Paul could have responded, well, I'm leaving the ministry. You know, I mean, I'm going out here healing. So, I got, so Paul had to go heal people in an unhealed state. Hold on. <laughs> Pastor Nyron, did you hear that? He had to heal folk in an unhealed state and pray for people to get healed, and God didn't heal him. And in the midst of it, he had to say, my grace is sufficient for you. Every time he healed, he said, no, nah. he said, I got something for them. But it's something different that I have for you. Listen, those who God hurts deeply, he uses greatly. So I had some help right there. If you've ever been wounded by God, God's going to use you great. Ask Jesus. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, guess what he said? He said, Father, you remember what it said. He said, if this cup could pass, and he prayed over and over and over again for the cup to pass from him. But, 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 but he, God didn't even speak to him. He, he just aligned himself with God's will while he was praying. And he says, you know what? Not my will, but thy will be done. He sweated to the point where blood was coming out of his pores, but he kept moving forward. 
and didn't allow God not answering his prayer, but helping him to walk in God's answer for his prayer. Because sometimes you pray and you already know the answer to it. It wasn't that Jesus didn't know the answer. He knew his God, and so he loved God enough to struggle with him. Listen, don't you ever stop struggling with your God. Don't you ever. Part of knowing him is wrestling with unanswered prayer. I'm trying to stop. I'm, uh, sometimes God, God isn't going to do what you want to do, and that's a part of being in a relationship with him. It's sometimes being in a relationship with him. It's him answering your prayer on his terms, not your terms. Because most of our prayers are about avoiding crosses. Most, I'm just telling most of our prayers are about avoiding a cross. And God says, I've left this example in my son for you to follow. So if he suffer, you suffer. If he's experienced pain, you're going to experience pain. But guess what? The pain that he experienced ain't going to be the one that you experience because he experienced full separation from me on the cross and I poured my wrath out on him so that the pain that you get in growing for me won't be as much pain as it was for him. But the pain that you experience is just a reminder that this ain't my wrath, this is my love. <laughs> God loves you enough to let you experience yes, the cross without it being substitution for you. And I'm just telling you today, don't get mad at God because he allowed pain to come your way. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will unbend you. Let me say that one more time and I'm out your way. Acknowledge him and all you know him in every area of your life, and he will unstraighten you or he will straighten you out. I pray today that God would help your values to be transformed into his so that he aligns your disappointments with his development. I'm out of your way. Father, we honor you. Thank you that faith is a part of worship. And you don't do what we want. You're not like a divine puppeteer, a puppet rather, that we demand to do our will. It's an oxymoron. You are the Lord. We are the subjects. You say we do. It's good that you empower us. Lord God, I've been so, I'm the first to say I need you. I think I need you more than anybody in here. I will wager that on a big turn. Listen, God, I need you more than any other person in this place. And God, my my life has gotten to the point, God, I'm just being honest, where I've gotten sick of acting like I'm perfect. And and, and, and 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 Because as soon as we stop acting like we're perfect, we can be made perfect. And God, 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 and because Jesus Christ's death was sufficient, he actually has made us perfect in him. Yeah. 
for you. But in our lives, we still got issues, practically. So you grow us spiritually so that we can look more like Jesus Christ. That's, that's the whole purpose. And so, God, do, your, do, do, do what you do in me. Do what you do in us. To live as Christ and to die as gain. Help us to live for you. Help us to present our bodies as instruments of righteousness instead of lawlessness. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that prayer said? Amen, amen.